0: Everyone, welcome to Capsi Outfitters podcast. Uh, I believe this is episode thirteen. Uh, you got Brian and Chris. Today, we're going to talk about how we go about running a training day. Um, with the weather getting nice and people going back outside and things to shoot, um, we thought we'd kind of run through, you know, what we consider a training day, how we run it, how we keep it safe, uh, and what separates a
1: training day from just a normal range day. Absolutely, um, guys. We're <laughs> When, when we go out to do uh, training day, you know, with our tribe, uh, we've got a couple different tribes that we, that we train with and work out with on a regular basis, um, it, you know, it, it is a little different than, than going, to, going out to grandpa's farm with a bunch of guns and some of your buddies. Um, so so th- that may be another podcast another day where we talk about the four rules of firearm safety and, and some things to be aware of in, in that environment. Um, This environment, the expectation is that we're showing up with a group of folks who are squared away, who are safe, who have a baseline set of skills and know what they're doing and want to hone those skills. Um, You know, so basically when we're talking about a training day for us. We're talking about a situation where somebody has taken the time days or weeks in advance, um, sometimes hours, but usually days or weeks in advance to figure out a curriculum um, that we want to train toward uh, as a training group, and then, and then more specifically for that day, come up with a lesson plan where they really delineate exactly what it is we're going to do on that day, the drills we're going to run through, um, what some of the metrics are we're chasing down, and what we're going to record, uh, what's just going to be practice runs and things of that nature. Um, you know, if you're doing something with rifles, it may include a, a quick run through a zero practice. If it's something with handguns, it may be starting off with dot torture or something like that. But if there's planning involved in this, it's not just a, hey, let's show up and kind of pull things out of the air and see what works. Um, so with both of the tribes that we work out with on a regular basis, you're expected to show up on the range with a hot gun and be ready to rock and roll, um, or whether that's a hot rifle, a hot handgun, or both, and be ready to go do work, go train. Um, again. The majority of these folks that we train with on a regular basis are pretty squared away. Some of them are professional end users. Um, Most of them are are very, very serious civilians who have taken a number of defensive firearms classes. Um, So, you know, show up to the range ready to rock and roll. Um, Your gear prep's on you. um, You know, showing up without ammo would be almost a laughable offense. Um, Showing up, uh, you know, without a spare gun, honestly, kind of gets you side-eyed in some of these environments because the reality is stuff breaks occasionally. Um, and, and so these are guys that are pretty prepared to go out and, and train because for them it's valuable time they don't want to waste. So often when we walk on the range and get set up, you know, everybody will, you know, jock up, get their gear out of their vehicles and stuff like that. Um, for our groups, we've established safe firearms handling zones um, that we really don't even have to talk about the vast majority of the time. Um, everybody knows that they can go down range beyond everyone else if the range is cold and say hey i'm going to go load up or i'm going to go clear something or i'm going to go take my carry ammo out of my gun give a quick notification uh to the group or to whoever's running that range day that that range day and do those kind of things um as a setup deal but when we get there generally one of the very first things we do is we start talking about hey from a safety perspective we cover the four rules every single time uh, we run through, you know, treat all guns as if they're always loaded. Uh, you know, don't point a gun at anything you don't want to destroy. You know, know your target is foreground and background. We run through the four rules every frickin' time we hit the range as a group. Um, and I know that sounds maybe a little bit childish or a little bit basic, but it's just that quick reminder, uh, you know, hey, these are the things that are inviolable. Don't do these things. And it just helps to ingrain it. Um, beyond that, we also establish some of the, the, protocols or remind ourselves of the protocols that we have from an emergency response perspective. The reality is we're training with tools that are designed um, to create significant trauma on the human body, and there's a reality check to, while it doesn't take somebody screwing up necessarily, it could be something like a ricochet, or quite honestly, some of us aren't real young, it could be something like a heart attack. Or a broken leg or or somebody, you know, a severe ankle sprain or something like that. So we establish, you know, who's going to be the person that renders first aid? Who's the primary and then who's the secondary guy? Because maybe the primary guy got hurt. Um, You know, who's going to assist? Who's going to be the guy who grabs the phone and calls 911? Who's going to be his backup to call 911? Who's going to be the guy that leaves the actual range facility to go to the entrance to guide emergency services personnel into the range? Um, who's gonna be the backup for that guy in case that guy's the guy that gets hurt? Um, you know, we run through and we establish all of these protocols at the beginning of every single training session. Um, you know, and it's kind of, kind of a joke because some of the places we train are fairly remote. And, and you know, at one time or another, I picked up my phone and said, yeah, I'll be the caller. And I looked at my phone and went, wow, never mind, I have no bars, I'll be the runner. Um, or maybe it was leg day and Wolfie beat up on me and I said, wow, I don't think I can be the runner so I'll just lay here next to you and give first aid if I can kind of deal. Um, I'm joking, but you get the idea. So we establish these things right off the bat, and it's something that within within the tribes that we deal with, it's it's kind of inviolable. You know, you got to before you get started with bang bang. You got to make sure everybody knows what's going on in case something does go south, gun related or not. Um, it it's a really big deal. Um, so you know, bearing those things in mind, that's that's how we begin a training day is discussing those types of topics and making sure we understand what's going on. Another part of that is something that you're going to lay out. I don't know, you know, as some of you have taken a like an NRA range safety officer class or a chief RSO class, you'll talk about some of this stuff. Um, but it, you know, when we when we look into the the day and the things that we're going to be doing, the drills that we're going to be doing, etc., um, we'll often address, you know, hey, the facility that we're on may not be perfect for what we're going to do. So physically, let's look at the facility and determine where we can point guns, where we can't point guns, where the limits are for the use of the tools that we're working with. Um, You know, rifles dictate some different uh, concerns than handguns do. Um, Distance to target if you're shooting rifles. You know, you don't want to shoot steel plates with rifles at 25 yards, um, you know, in most circumstances. But with handguns, that's generally totally acceptable. So it's kind of having a discussion about whatever it is you're going to do and pre-planning what tools, what targets you're going to shoot at, how the range is laid out, where you can utilize the range and things of that nature. Um, And I apologize, I'm gonna go out of order and hop back to our beginning of the range briefing because one of the things that we talk about that I just left off that is part of that prep about who's doing what is having a conversation with everyone about whoever's making that call to emergency services personnel. You've had a firearms training accident. You haven't had a shooting. You haven't had you a shooting. A
0: firearms training accident.
1: If somebody gets a hole punched in them with a bullet and you call 9-1 and say somebody's been shot, emergency services personnel in general will wait for the police to show up. Even if you correct yourself once it's out over the airwaves that there's been a shooting, not a firearms training accident, generally the police have to come in and make the scene safe before the second responders can get there. Um, so be aware of that guys, uh, you know, that's a little tip there. The other thing you have with that as well, make sure that you have the exact address of the facility or farm or residence or whatever that you're training at. So that when you call you're, you know, if I'm at my buddy's house and I've been to his house 10 times, but I don't know his street address number, that's going to slow down emergency services personnel and getting there. So make sure that's there somewhere. Most ranges, most legit facilities have a book somewhere that has all that in place for you. Um, But if if you don't know where that book is, then you should have that information either in your phone or written down somewhere on a card that's easily accessible, something that, you know, anybody can pick up and go, oh, hey, you know, we're at one, two, three, four Main Street um, in BFE, Ohio, Um, you know, you know, we need emergency services personnel. We've had a firearms training accident. So, sorry to skip around like that. Um, uh, unless, you know, if somebody's broken a leg,
0: you yeah. have a broken leg.
1: Yeah, it's true. You are yeah, you might be at the range, but you don't have a GSW, so let's not, you know, bring the world down on you like that.
0: Uh, that, that, too, comes down to where, you know, the importance of the runner. Um, you know, everybody wants to be on the scene and help, but that person actually helps a lot because if, you're, yeah. if where you're shooting is a quarter mile or a half a mile back from the road, yeah, um, you need to be able to get the ambulance back to where you're at. Yeah. So having you know that person out at the road with say a VS14, you know, high vis panel, flashlight if, it's a lo- flashlight, if it's low light, you know, to be able to flag somebody down and say, "Hey, this is where we are. Here's the turn in." Um, that you can then you know go with them back to where you need to go becomes really important and saves a lot of time.
1: And also understand too that you know we used to train at a facility um, in Eastern Ohio on a regular basis where there were days where I don't know that an ambulance could have gotten back there a because it was a tractor trail and b because it would get pretty slippery and gnarly so have a plan you know whose vehicle are you gonna chuck the body into and move it up to the road to get to the ambulance if they can't get to you so you know have some of those things make sure you have those things pre-planned and you've worked through that because trying to figure it out in the dark euphemistically trying to figure it out without having pre-planned it is going to slow you down unnecessarily and quite honestly could put lives at risk that just simply don't need to be at risk. So, um, you know, so be aware of those things. So, all right, where was I?
0: That is a good question. Okay,
1: cool. I'm wearing a kilt today and it's really throwing me off. Sorry, um, too much air moving around. Um, so when we look at, you know, setting up lesson plans and stuff like that, I, you know, I, I there's, a, there's a specific model to use here that's very easily accessible, guys. If you literally go online and Google lesson plan, it'll tell you that you should have an objective for what it is you're going to do. You should have activities to help you guide and train, you know, how you're going to explain whatever it is you're explaining, how you're going to practice whatever it is you need to practice, and then how you're going to use some type of drill or test to measure whatever it is you've done. Uh, Maybe you start off by measuring it and then go through, teach it, practice it, and re-measure it all those different things. But, you know, I'm not saying that you need to walk out there with it in writing, but gosh, it sure wouldn't be a bad idea to walk out with it in writing and have it in front of you. Um, You know, have the drills on hand that you're ready to run through. And then like any good coach, maybe have some extra drills available to you in case you find out that your facility for some reason that day won't handle the drill you want to run, or your targeting systems won't handle the drill you want to run, or there's some type of impediment to what's going on, or maybe your shooters can't run the drill. That you could want be on. too. You know, have that have that plan A, B, and C ready to go, so that you're not wasting your tribe's time. Um, you know, if you're the guy in charge for that day, then you know be ready to rock and roll. Uh, we have one of our guys that we train with on a on a regular basis who. Um, this guy is amazing because he always comes out with a plan ready to go but he always starts off with hey guys this is your training day we're out here for you so we can do what you want to do if there's something you want to practice or whatever let's do it um he is a veritable font of opportunities for training and drills and ideas and scenarios in his head that he's got it all on tap it just so happens that's what he does for a living for a local police agency Um, If you have that guy on tap, uh, use that guy if you can, if he'll let you. Um, Use him and abuse him maybe. Um, But you know, if you're Joe Schmo like me, I've done a lot of this stuff, but I still wanna have the plan laid out and have A, B, and C ready to rock and roll. Um, Know what those drills are, have some spares. It's just like coaching anything else. Uh, But that's how you make a productive range day from a safety perspective, and that's how you lay one out from a content perspective is is doing that pre-work uh it's all about prep once you get there you should be free to move and learn and do your thing
0: yeah and having you know having helped run i can't even count how many different train, training yeah. days and events at this point um starting up a training group um from scratch with brand new shooters at one point uh, a couple of other things that really help out is just adopting what we call the crawl, walk, run mentality. Yeah. So not trying to go too fast too soon, um, but really working within the skill set of the the people that you're working with, um, and being able to, you know, not push them into the deep end, but kind of you know gradually give them nudges when they need to to kind of push their skills forward. And um, we want we want to provide challenges. We don't want to provide
1: you know, insurmountable obstacles to Truth. learning. True. Yeah, and also at the same time, the flip side of that same coin is having the guy who thinks he knows more than he does and wants to outrun his headlights is, is gently slowing that guy down, too. Or, or maybe Working not so gently, or maybe walking up to the target and going, Wow, look how bad you suck. You didn't hit anywhere you were supposed to on the target, but yet you want to go fast. That's why we're breaking this down and doing a crawl-walk-run mentality. Some guys need their ego yanked to put them in that position. Um, if, if you have a guy who's going so fast, it's a safety issue— do everyone on that range a favor and shut that guy down. It yeah. may hurt his ego. It may bruise a friendship, but in the long run, um, if if they're a solid dude, they'll they'll recover from it and move on like big big boys and girls. And mm-hmm. and you know it'll be better for everybody. Yeah, I mean to the point where like we
0: had issues one time. Um, where the father of the ran- of the host, you know, was playing with guns behind the line, doing things that he was not allowed to do, and he got sent home. Um, and we didn't think twice about doing it. Yep. Um, safety, you know, is absolute priority. Um, making sure that everyone understands, you know, in very black and white terms what they're allowed to do, what they're not allowed to do, when they're allowed to handle firearms, when they're not, yep. um, keeps everyone else safe and allows you to do, you know, a lot more than
1: just put a whole bunch of guns on a table and shoot them one at a time. Absolutely. Um, and like Brian said, laying out those rules and the limitations and the understanding that if you do violate a rule and hopefully nobody gets hurt, that you're done for the day. You pack your stuff up. You can sit there and watch. If you got a blue gun, an orange gun, or you want to run your finger gun and run the drills, that's awesome on you um, for having the testicular fortitude to see your mistake, admit it, and still be willing to hang out and train. Um, but, but if you screw up and you break one of the four rules, you're done for the day, so you've got time to think about it. Um, and at some point, if it becomes a repeated offense, um, the, you know, occasionally somebody's got to go and that's about the best reason there is. So mm-hmm. it, it sucks, but it is a reality of doing this kind of stuff. Safety has to be the absolute priority. You know, and to kind of go on with that, you know, we've had
0: instances too, where somebody's made, not quite broken the one of the four rules, but come close and maybe gone a little too fast. And we said, all right, you know dump all your live ammo put a chamber flag in your gun yeah and you get to do the drills and say bang yep or pew either or way or pew whatever works um, you know so it's one of those things there's ways to keep people involved and engaged um you know in running if things start to get complicated doing them dry before yes. you do them hot becomes important uh and from a planning perspective you know, one of the things to do, provided you have got access to the facility and the time to do it, is to run through the drills you want to do, um, figure out how long it takes you to do them and to reset, and then do the math as opposed to, you know, we have X shooters, this drill takes Y minutes. How long does it take to run everybody through this? And then what's that look like from an overall you know, percentage of your day? Yep. Um, it, trying it, to do too much. In too little time, where you're just pushing people through, um, doesn't really give anybody any time to learn. Uh, it also—that's where safety problems happen because people are rushing through things and trying to go too fast because you're trying to get too much stuff done. Uh, I think we've seen probably more success recently by trying to to just focus on one thing on a given day, yep. versus trying to do you know everything in the kitchen sink.
1: Yes. Yes. Totally agree with that. Um, you know, and the, the, something else I'll throw out there is if you're the person in charge and you're planning out a training day, um, uh, we go and we take classes uh, and, and we learn stuff and we want to bring it back to our tribe. I mean that's, that's like part of one of our tribes. That's like the rule. Um, you know, the idea of bringing that information back and sharing it with your folks and trying to get them up to speed with, with new concepts, new ideas, or just different ways to practice or learn the old ideas um, is, is an awesome thing. Um, you know, and occasionally we'll see something online. Uh, we did an injured shooter class, or did injured shooter training opportunity here in the last year or so, where one of the guys had gone and taken a class from a reputable instructor, and we had all seen some of the videos around some of the same teaching techniques and came back and did them. Um, but you know, if, if, you, if you're going to push a technique at folks, if you haven't talked to the instructor firsthand to get the why, maybe do a little bit of research and see if you can find the why, not just the how so that you can communicate that as well. Um, you know, I think there's a lot of folks out there training things that they don't understand why they're doing what they're doing, they just have been shown what to do. And, and if you're gonna try and bring others along with you, a lot of the time, if you can explain the why to them, the how becomes a little bit easier to stomach swallow or tolerate. So, you know, that's one of the things that I think you see with the best trainers out there is they, they can explain the why of what you're doing and the why yeah. will help seat the how. And as a,
0: a means, you know, too, of evaluating things that you know somebody brings back or that you're trying to bring back, um, this comes from Mike Panone, and the way that he and his former place of employment looked at things was that it needs to, in no uncertain terms, um, detract from a safety perspective of how they're already doing things, yeah. and it needs to increase the efficiency of the tasks they're trying to accomplish. So, if you can maintain or increase safety and do it faster and more accurately, then it's probably a technique you want to explore. Um, if it's not those things, it may not be, you know, a value to actually, you know, play around with. True. True, true. Um, there's a lot of people trying to be the good idea fairy because it makes for a cool looking YouTube or Instagram video, but in all reality, um, is just a really complex way
1: of trying to look cool on a cell phone video yeah the reality check is the, the best guys out there do the fundamentals without flaw on demand um, quickly efficiently so um, you know I, I you know what's what's the saying there's no such thing as an advanced gunfight there's just a perfect application of the, the fundamentals cool
0: yeah I think that that kind of sums things up for today um, stop in and see us do you have any questions let's talk
1: Cool. Thanks for joining.